Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are, we say that we're all bow hunting all the time, but Mr. Demko, we're not going to be all bow hunting today. No, absolutely very excited. We took a road trip and we're here in Lancaster for the Lancaster Archery Classic at an incredible facility. When I walked in, it's called Spooky Nook. I was blown away at how large this place is. Oh, it's, you know, every time I walk into this place, I think, can you imagine the hundreds of millions of dollars that it costs to build this place? Like, there's got to be 50 basketball courts, you know, an indoor, there's an indoor baseball, softball. Anyway, we've got PJ Riley from Lancaster Archery. What's up, guys? It is great to have you here, along with about 2,700 archers. Yes, record number for us here at the Classic. We're excited. You were talking about the facility. This used to be Armstrong uh, flooring. This was their um, linoleum plant. So that's what it was originally. It's 17 acres under roof is what we have. 17 acres under roof. It's absolutely spectacular. And uh, man, it's amazing what you guys have done with this tournament. Because obviously we are going to talk a little tournament shooting today, but this is what year for the LAS Classic? So this is, it's funny, this is... 20 years, but this is the 19th. We missed one year, two years ago when everything shut down. So it's 19 classics, but the 20th year since we started it. And still growing. Still growing, absolutely. Yep, that 2700 is a record. We're excited. Um, Just uh, the response from people has been awesome. You guys saw the setup down there, and I can't even fathom that we used to do all of this in our shop. Yeah, right. So it literally, it started at the shop, and then you moved to a hotel complex. Yep, the Lancaster Host Resort. We were there one year, and then we went to another field house. It's called Lanco Field House, which was smaller than this. And then we've been here ever since, which I believe is six. I believe this is our sixth or seventh here at this facility. Well, so the LAS Classic is pretty big all around because this is widely considered amongst the pros to be the official tune-up for Vegas, which always comes the following weekend. And, you know, we'll talk about the pros a little bit, but the other thing that's so cool about this tournament is, you know, literally Mark and I could sign up for this and and come shoot and absolutely embarrass ourselves right along everybody else. Come on out. Absolutely. The more the merrier. It's a great place, you know, for bow hunting. You know, we're relating it back to bow hunting because I've I've talked to some of the other bow hunters. I've shot it myself. You know, you can't recreate that in the tree stand, the bucks coming up. How do you recreate you know, you can. I can practice all day. How do I recreate that? How I shoot in that moment? This is about as close as you can get because it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so how many classes do you actually have of competition here? Oh, I want to say it's about 17. Uh, and what it'll be is by gender, um, by equipment, and then by age. We'll have youth. We'll have adult and we'll have masters, which is 50 and over. 
Right, so you definitely have a bunch of bow hunter classes, uh, yes. that sort of thing. Uh, we have uh, one bow hunter class. It's a combined class, uh, but it's been growing. And so the way things work here is, uh, like bear bow started out, it was bear bow, it was combined men, women, kids. So then as bear bow grew, there were enough women to where now we have a women's bear bow and a, and a men's bear bow. So bow hunter, I just talking to some folks today, they would like to see a women's bow hunter. So same thing, it's the community. They get together and come to the tournament, and when there's enough, we split them out. Because uh, we, it we, doesn't matter to us. And, and, and people want to know, like, there are an awful lot of bow hunters. You know, it's funny, Mark, when we were walking in, yeah. we had a couple guys from the bow shed in Carlisle, Illinois, and they were wearing their sweatshirts. And I was like, hey, are you guys from the bow shed in Carlisle, Illinois? And they're like, yes, we are. And, I, you know, people come from all over the country to shoot this, and they are not you know, all professionals. There's a no. lot of, there's a lot of, you know, folks just like Mark and I and yourself, you know, just avid bow hunters who are never going to, you know, go to the Olympics or, or even necessarily shoot, uh, you know, an ASA tournament that love to come every year to the Lancaster Archery Classic. It's, it's a couple hundred bow hunters. I was going to call it up here um, on the list, but we don't have them numbered, but it's, it's several hundred. I'm going to say it's like between two and 300 who register in the bow hunter class. And basically that just limits your equipment. You're not gonna see the long stabilizers. It's short, it's a 12 inch maximum out front. Um, no magnification in your lens, uh, in your scope housing. As a matter of fact, this year we said no lens period. So you can't even run a zero power, which some did just so they could have a dot in the center rather than a pin. Uh, but now it's gonna have to be a pin because you can't have a lens. So that's that's basically what it, the limitations are as far as bow hunting. You know, as we're talking, it's amazing at the different classes, and so and you were talking about how people come from across the country. Do you, I thought I saw a license plate from Ontario. Do you draw? From oh, this is North America or even this is all over the world. There's, you know, I saw some Koreans down there. Uh, I know there'll be some folks from the Netherlands, Italy, uh, Germany, Slovenia. We have a couple. Uh, it's we have archers come from all over the world and as you mentioned you know they were just at a big tournament in france last week so now they come over here they come to the classic go to the vegas shoot next weekend and then go home so it's kind of a they can just make one sweep and hit all these tournaments yeah so to circle it around again back to bow hunting mark is here's an opportunity for someone again like you and i to literally pick up off the hook in the basement, right? The bow that we've been shooting all last summer, we hunted deer with, you know, throughout the fall, the late early winter rather, you can bring that bow right here and come shoot alongside some of these folks. I mean, you know, heck, Rob's daughter, you know, Casey is an Olympian, yep. you know, she's from right here, but she'll be shooting the, the recurve division, yep. you know, this weekend and, uh, you know, so will a whole bunch of other Olympians as well. Yep, Brady Ellison, he'll be here. Jack Williams, uh, and all of the Olympic teams who, from the last couple of years, they'll be here shooting. So where else can a guy, you know, right off of uh, the tree stand, come and rub shoulders with all these people? And it's really uh, a friendly atmosphere. You've got a nice vendor uh, area downstairs. You can check out the latest, you know, uh, equipment and. Uh, it's, it's just a great time, PJ. Some of the, you know, and there's some famous bow hunters, you know, folks on your channel know Levi Morgan. He'll be here shooting. 
Um, I think he's shooting. He's shooting tomorrow. Um, so yeah, and another one of the cool things is, um, so with our tournament, there is no segregation. You could be next to anybody. It does, you could be standing on the line next to Levi Morgan, Tim Gillingham. There's not, you know, this is the pro area. This is the amateur area. That doesn't exist. They're everywhere. Well, and your line is huge, too. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you have more than one room, but just even in that main hall there, how many shooters at one time? Okay, so there are, I believe it was 164 target butts. Each target butt will have four archers on it. They shoot two at a time. There's two lines. So 164 times four, that will be. And that line, uh, like tomorrow noon, uh, Friday at noon and Friday at four, those lines are full. So they'll be at max capacity. So whatever Six, that is. 660 some archers something or something like, like that. that. <laughs> and you're doing that multiple times a day. Yep. To, to get all 2,700 through there. Yes, yeah. exactly. Wow. Um, amazing. Now, just give folks an idea of, you know, your tournament format, too. You know, sure. just the, the thumbnail version. But basically, you know, a qualification round, and then each class gets a ranked from there. Yep. And then people go on to a, a shoot-off if they qualify, right? Yes. Uh, you shoot 60 arrows for score. 660 is a perfect score because we count the inner X ring as an 11. And once you shoot your qualification, everybody's ranked. And depending on the class, the bigger classes, it's the top 64, smaller classes, top 32. Everybody, everybody goes into it's basically an NCAA style bracket. That's of what I was thinking. Yeah. On Saturday, you shoot head to head matches. And again, as we mentioned, you know, you were talking about Vegas. Vegas certainly is a great shoot. A lot of the archers prefer our format because you don't have to be perfect. You just have to get in. Once you get in, anything can happen in head-to-head. -head. At this level, any archer can beat any archer. I mean, I've seen uh, Braden Galantine, one of the best archers in the world, shot a perfect 660. He goes into eliminations and he lost in his first match. And that, that would be to the number 64 qualifier? Yes. He got beat in his first match. Wow. So, and that's what happens at that level. Anything can happen. So, same thing. Then um, you shoot through eliminations and we get to our finals, which, depending on the class, is either top eight or top four. You go into our finals. Again, another feature that folks like is you just got to get in because then it's the number eight. We start out, number eight shoots against number seven. The winner goes against number six. And then number five, four, three, two, one. So you can come in ranked last and win the whole thing, which is, we, that doesn't happen anywhere else. You know, it's fascinating. You're talking about uh, all these different scenarios. What's the most improbable thing you've seen here? What's the most unlikely story you've seen in these 19 or so 20 years? Men's Open is our biggest class by far. Men's Open. That's shooting the full open setup, stabilizers, magnification in the scope. That's what everybody shoots at league night. You see them all there. So that's our biggest class. So that got, I mean, just the competition, obviously the competition in the pro class is huge, but among the amateurs, the competition there is crazy. Those guys are good. So then we got into the finals, top eight in that division. And we had one guy, his name's Tim Hanley. You know, if you look on YouTube, you'll see videos about, his nickname was the CEO. He came in in eighth place 
and beat everybody to win the title. That's the only time that's ever happened here. And wow. as it was happening live, you know, we're broadcasting it. The audience is just building and building. Even in the room, you know, people have their favorite archers. Everybody wanted him to win because it's like, well, you just beat four. Let's see him keep going. <laughs> you know, you're rooting for the underdog the whole way. So that I remember that day vividly just because it was so intense in there as he kept knocking people off. <laughs> now, does he still come back every he year does. to shoot? He'll be shooting here this weekend. Now he shoots in the pro class. He, he won that class. You don't have to move up, but he went to the pro class. Well, I would think, you know, that was kind of my next question, PJ, which is what does doing something like he did do for your life, your archery career? I'll tell you what it did. I'll never forget this, too, about that day, because he came in the front door, and he comes walking over to me. I had never seen him before. I didn't know who he was, and he was wearing this button-down shirt, and he said, hey, uh, where can I put my bow? And I was like, oh, you can go around there and set up, you know, just set your bow in there. I didn't know what, I figured he was carrying his bow for his buddy, because he didn't have on the jersey. I was like, well, he's not shooting. And then once his match started, there he is. And he shoot. I'm like, that's the guy I saw. And, you know, like I said, he earned the nickname CEO because of that shirt. So now, especially right after that happened, I guarantee you everybody knew who he was. Manufacturers, you know, then he picks up sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. He, he made a name for himself there. Is he shooting the same brand of bow professionally as he won with that first time? So he won with a Matthews. Um, and then he went to PSE and then he um, had some life issues that he had to deal with. Uh, so then he did not shoot for PSE. He's not shooting for PSE now, you know, nothing weird or anything, just life happened and he had to make some changes. Uh, so I actually don't know what bow he's shooting now, but I know he's now shooting for himself again. Gotcha. I don't believe he has a bow sponsor. Well, the other thing that's worth mentioning before we maybe move on to couple other things that I wanted to discuss with you is just the prizes too because there is some significant cash on the line if you can yeah. pull off a victory here. In the bow hunter class, I, I wish, oh wait, I think I do have our prize money here, but I know this is the tournament where bow hunters can make the most prize money, even more than Vegas. You'll, our, our purse is bigger. I forget how many Do you remember what the total purse many. is this year? It's over $300,000. The, the top one is Open Pro. The winner of that wins 20000 from us. And then manufacturers have contingencies they pay if they're using their equipment. So the, you figure the, whoever wins the Open Pro, it's like a fifty sixty thousand $60,000 weekend. That's not a bad for three days bow. work, is it there, Mark? No, that's super sweet when you uh, think and, about it. And the bow hunter, that's probably going to, that winner is probably going to be in the, Five to ten thousand uh, dollar. That's what you're going to take home. It's enough to pay for a nice guided elk hunt. This, this absolutely, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, PJ. You know, the classic is awesome, and obviously, it's really done a lot to, you know, help promote archery. You know, during a time of the year when, especially, we bow hunters aren't necessarily pulling the string back all that often unless like you said you know maybe you're in one of the leagues at your local pro shop yeah. wherever you're at but this takes it to a whole nother level and, and gives a chance um 
you know, this is kind of the first big tournament of the winter, but you guys do something else here at Lancaster Archery called Competition Archery Media or CAM. And you, yes. you have, for better or worse, I would say for better, you may have days that you wonder, but you have sort of become <laughs> the face of CAM over the last handful of years. Maybe even the face of competitive <laughs> archery and archery broadcasting because you guys do an awful lot to raise the visibility of archery through the broadcasts uh, that you'll do here this weekend uh, at the Classic and then yeah. continuing through the winter and early spring with the, uh, you know, the a bunch of the, the ASA tournaments that you guys broadcast and then partner actually with uh, another division of Outdoor Sportsman Group who Mark and I work with and, and over at the Sportsman Channel. Correct. And, and broadcast the, the finals from those tournaments. So talk to us a little bit about that and everything that you guys have coming up uh, in the sure. months ahead. So first I have to say this, uh, Rob Caulfield gets credit for all this. He's obviously the founder and president of uh, Lancaster Archery. He's the owner, if you want to use that term, he and his wife, Carol. Um, but Rob has always thought about things differently. And so me, Christian, same thing. We were old newspaper reporters. So Rob talked to me for years. He said, hey, one day I'm going to get my website set up and you're going to come work for me. I said, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. So it finally happened, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And he said, all right, let's go. Come on, we're going to do this. So he brought me in. What archery company is bringing in a newspaper reporter? I could shoot, I shot a bow, I bow hunted, but I'm not anywhere on the level of these people. So what am I going to do for him? Well, he had this vision of building this media thing. And I don't have any experience on TV. I'm learning as we go as well. But we started building this classic production. That's where we started. Just making it, Rob went to tournaments around the world to see how do they do things? How do they broadcast these tournaments? And as he did that, um, he would come back and he'd be like, okay, here's what we need to do for the classic next year. And our classic production just kept getting higher and higher. And if you go on YouTube, actually for archery tournaments, the classic is uh, maybe some world archery events get higher views, but the classic by far is the biggest you're going to find on YouTube because of the way it's done. Head-to-head -head matches, you know, lot multiple camera angles. It's a complex production. So once that built up, other archery organizations started to take notice of that and came to Rob and were like, hey, we want you to do for us what you did for the classic. And, um, you know, we, we had lots of offers. It was like, nah, we kind of got our thing. But then the ASA came, Archery Shooters Association, Mike Tyrell, the owner. He really put the pressure on Rob Hart and said, come on, I want you to do this. So Rob had me and another guy, his name was Silas Cruz. He was the video producer at the time. I was the on-air person, whatever you want to call it, and just said, all right, you guys figure out how this would work. So we went to our first ASA in about 2016 or 17. I can't remember what it was. And we just took our classic team the same team that did the previous classic, we took them and went to Alabama, broadcast a tournament, and that was kind of like, okay, now we knew what we didn't know and what we needed to figure out. So by the next year, 
we built out this, I'll show it to you later, we built out this 35-foot mobile TV studio, for lack of a better term. And we did two years, always our goal, you know, we're broadcasting on YouTube and Facebook, but our goal was get to TV. The ASA tournaments used to be on ESPN2 back in the early 90s. You could see it there. And then it went away. You weren't finding 3D archery anywhere. It just wasn't around. So our goal was get back there, TV, TV. So I think in our third year, we were with some smaller networks. Again, working out some kinks. You know, we want this to be professional. Finally, by our third year, we pitched to the sportsman's group to get on the sportsman's channel. And they were like, and actually it was good because they had never had a live broadcast before. So they were like, all right, so they wanted to do that. We wanted to get on there. So we had our first year, uh, three years ago, I believe it was, on the sportsman's channel. And just, it, you know, it went well. It worked for them, it worked for us. <laughs> And so now, you know, when on tournament weekends, you know, five o'clock Saturday, when there's a national ASA, we broadcast the shoot down finals uh, on the Sportsman's Channel. So it was just, it's just been a moving train ever since. <laughs> well, and I'm sure the, you know, the pros obviously must love that because that's, yeah. that's some good exposure for them. Exactly. Yeah. It, it all... It's again, I got to give credit to Rob. His mentality never once has Rob said to me, You need to do this because we need to make X amount of dollars. That's not his approach. His approach is if we make archery bigger, we're going to do better. You know, so if someone came in and tried to put a net value on me, they'd be like, ah, get rid it's of that priceless. guy. He can, <laughs> they'd priceless. be like, okay, your first cut is get rid of PJ Riley. We don't know what he does. I don't know how he makes you any money. But Rob's thing is exposure, exposure. You know, just the more stuff that we can do to bring archery to people, that's what we found is one of the biggest obstacles is they just don't have access to this stuff. They don't know about it. How do you get into 3D archery if you don't know what it looks like, what's involved? So his thing is just, we make archery bigger, we rise with it. Now, do you do all the classes at those shootdowns? No, uh, it's only the pros. Uh, and so there's uh, open pro, that's going to be your Levi Morgan, Dan McCarthy. And then we have women's pro. Uh, and then it's known pro and senior pro. Now this year we're adding two new pro classes, senior known pro and women's known pro. Um, so that's something new that we're just expanding to just to get some more. How old do you have to be in the senior class, PJ? 50. I'm almost 50. there, Mark, and you're already there. Let's, let's go shoot, let's go shoot a, a senior class here next Any, year. Anything that we can do to drag the overall scores down. <laughs> I, always like to, I always like to tell me, oh, I can't wait to get to senior class. Yep, get into that senior class, and then you get to face Tim Gillingham. <laughs> well. <laughs> and Jeff Hopkins. I mean, he's one of the greatest shooter, uh, 3D shooters of all time. He shoots there, so it's a. Uh, you know, PJ, I've asked, I've asked pros over the years many times a question, and I'm going to turn it around and ask it to you a different way. I've asked a lot of pros you know, what do you take from the competitive shooting into your bow hunting? 
But for guys like you and I, who are bow hunters, who might be interested in trying our hand, yeah. you know, at a little competitive shooting, and we're like, man, I've never done this before. You know, I don't really know what I'm getting into. What do you take? Because you get to shoot. Now, one of the fun things you guys do at CAM, you get to do your <laughs> shot of the week. Yeah. And you get to shoot, you know, sort of head-to-head, -head, you know, on, on these targets, these really challenging shots against some of the pros and everything. What do you take from your bow hunting into the competitive shooting? So what I've noticed is, and I was, I'll actually turn it the other way, where I think the competitive shooter competitive shooting makes you better at bow hunting because it really forces precision. You know, you're out there shooting at a 3D target just in your yard. Ah, I hit the lung area. That's cool. But when you got to hit something that's a little bit bigger than a quarter on that 3D target, now you're hitting spots. You know, you, then you're up in the tree stand. Oh, there's that, you know, little black spot that I can see right where I want to aim. I want to hit that exactly. So for me, I know whenever I'm shooting tournament stuff regularly, man, I, I'm, I'm pretty good in the tree stand. <laughs> so that's the way, that's what I think um, where it helps my bow hunting. So Mark, I'm going to guess that uh, you haven't ever watched the, the final shoot downs here at the Lancaster Classic. You know, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm looking forward to it watching much of it because we kick off i think with the first shooter today at noon so we're getting to see some of this in well and then you're gonna you're gonna tune in right Absolutely. on uh <laughs> is it sunday right this week uh so we have some finals saturday some finals sunday the bow hunter division is sunday morning uh so that's particularly when some people may want to tune in for that and where can we view all this that you do here from the classic yeah the classic we're on Lancaster archeries uh we'll be broadcasting on youtube and facebook um we discovered people like that youtube they can put it on the big screen you know get to watch it on tv um so that's where we'll be facebook and youtube for the Lancaster archery supply and then the the tournaments that you cover with the asa obviously you have the live broadcasts on saturday you know, evenings on Sportsman Channel. Yeah. But don't you guys produce quite a bit throughout the weekends there as well? And so that's on other uh, formats, right? Yeah, that would be on the competition archery media, social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We kind of do, because the finals are just one aspect of a five-day tournament. That's like, you know, four hours and people are out there for five days. So we're there through the whole weekend and we bring all kinds of different coverage. Um, we follow the pros, obviously that's, you know, that's where the focus is, but we get around to amateurs as well because they definitely make up the numbers at these tournaments. There's more amateurs than pros. Yeah, and I mean, I'll just throw out the gauntlet since I, you know, I'm probably not going to do it more because I know I'm not that good. But somewhere out there is listening somebody who thinks they're a pretty hot shot. And, uh, hey, you know, all you got to do is show up at one of these tournaments because, you know, anyone can register for those ASAs too. Yeah. And so if you think you're pretty good, get yourself out there and you just might find P.J. Riley interviewing <laughs> you out there on the course. Well, and there too, there's ability levels. There's a class called Bow Novice. If this is your first time in a 3D shoot, hey, go shoot the Bow Novice class. That's for people 
who, you know, are just coming in. We don't want them, you don't want to have somebody come in and they're immediately shooting against a guy who never misses the 12 ring. Um, so you can start small and work your way up. Then there are classes that have yardage limitations. It'll be a known 30, so 30 yard is your max. 40, 45, it kind of builds you up so that you can get better as you progress through and you're not just coming in getting your butt kicked, right? Nobody likes that, you know. So they've figured out how to do that to kind of level the playing field for everybody. And, and that's great because it obviously encourages participation because yeah. it could be incredibly intimidating. Mr. Demko enjoys a good butt kicking now. So I, every now and again. <laughs> so I've been to the classic forever, and I sh I've only shot it once in this format. But I've been around it forever, and I shot. Rob actually had a Lancaster Archery Classic. It was a Christmas tournament. 35 years ago. That's what I used to shoot in. It was at the shop. That's the one I remember before it became this big spectacle. So then I shot here maybe four or five years ago. And it scared the crap out of me. I was out there like sweating. I'm like, why am, Why do I feel like this? <laughs> this is intimidating. I'm around it all the time and I am scared to death. And my score reflected that. It was horrible. So, <laughs> So where did you finish? In the I was like in the middle of the pack, but I know what I can shoot, and I did not shoot that. <laughs> so did it make you want to, I mean, you say you obviously haven't shot it again since. Did it make you want to, you know, or even just being it out there did. at the ASAs, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'm going to start shooting all these tournaments. I don't know if you could logistically do it. That's but, the problem. Yeah. I Yes, I started shooting leagues more and stuff just to make myself better, but it we got to a point here where I just can't, uh, you know, we're doing too much other stuff. I don't have the time to go shoot it, but. Well, listen, PJ, uh, appreciate your time, giving us a little insight into what you guys have going this weekend and coming up. Mark, uh, you know, for those of us who are interested, we can certainly hop on the, the, the Lancaster Archery YouTube, the Cam YouTube. There's a lot of great footage from the tournaments of, years past and sure. and a lot to look forward to for this year so i think mark you and i are gonna head down to the vendor area and see if maybe there's a couple interesting folks down there that we can rope in for some interviews and uh we're gonna let pj go get ready because i think he's going live at 12 today and you've got a long few days ahead of you it's it's a long one yeah it's a it's a busy weekend that's for sure you get to take <laughs> monday and tuesday off no actually i know we already have someone requested a product review from us on monday they're having a pro stick around so monday back to the ground all right man well listen <laughs> have a great weekend and enjoy thanks guys appreciate your time good luck thanks a lot All right, we are back here at the Lancaster Archery Classic, and uh, Mr. Demko and I were walking around the vendor area, and I bumped into an unexpected guest. I've got Mr. Jeremy Eldridge from Hoyt Archery. Jeremy, I didn't think you were going to be here, man. Yeah, no, we try to get out to all the events, and we have a booth and answer questions and support our pro staff, support our partners out here. So um, there's usually always someone from Hoyt here, and this year I... I made the trip, so. The big gun. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy's a big wheel over there. I don't know if people realize that, but uh, it's about as big as it gets. <laughs> Not quite, no. 
But uh, I've been there a long time, though. I mean, I, I can't believe people ask me, how long have you been at Hoyt? And it's almost 19 years. Wow. So well, it's, I've been, been, uh, it's been fun. That's It's been a heck of a run. And uh, you guys have made a lot of good bows in that time. Now, of course, we're bow hunting, you know, bow hunting podcast. And people may not realize just how big you guys are in the target world. And, you know, especially on the Olympic side, I mean, I think pretty much anybody who – is decent at all is shooting a hoy when it comes to that olympic recurves yeah we have a, we have a long tradition in olympic archery for sure um and there's been more olympic medals won with hoyt bows than all other bows combined so we're pretty proud of that and proud to be able to support uh, you know olympic athletes in olympic archery so and then so. of course we were talking with pj from lancaster archery yep to start the show today and and just a lot about the tournament and kind of what a neat event it is because you can go all the way from an Olympian, which you'll have, you know, quite a few here this weekend. Yeah. Yep. And you could just be a average Joe Bowhunter like Mark and I, and you could show up with your Hoyt compound and you might be shooting on the line, you know, right next to one of those folks and yeah. get a chance to rub shoulders and uh, kind of also shows that you guys cover the gamut, you know, when it comes to, to product line. Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we've always kind of prided ourselves on that at Hoyt is having a full product. You know, whatever you like to do in archery, we have a product for you, whether it's, you know, strictly bow hunting or whether you like bow hunting in 3D or 3D in target archery or Olympic archery or trad shooting. I mean, we make a bow for all disciplines of archery, so. Well, Mark, you know, I didn't kill a nice elk this past fall. Of course, I... I did hunt them in Montana. I'm going to show Jeremy a picture of the two really nice bulls I didn't kill after we're done with this segment. <laughs> um, but he killed a big bull, and I'm kind of jealous. But uh, I kind of want to hear more about this. So why don't we have a, a hunting story here from Jeremy? <laughs> I like that. You like that, Mr. Demko? I think that's All great. right, why don't you, mod right. you moderate the hunting story? I'm turning it over to you, Mark. Yeah, now, so you were doing some, some hunting this past fall in, uh, in Utah. Uh, tell us about that experience, how that went. Yeah, yeah. So I, in uh, Utah, we have a couple different kind of units. We have limited entry units, yeah. which take several years to draw. Um, and then we have over-the-counter units where you can buy a, buy a tag and hunt those units. Um, and I, had a, I drew a limited entry tag this year. So <clears throat> it, it gives you a little better opportunity to chase some bigger bulls with less pressure. I mean, it's not a for sure thing by any means because it's hunting and it's elk and it's public land um but uh i was hunting i had my two boys with me they're uh, 23 and 25 years old um so you know they packers they, yeah packers for sure um and anyway we 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 were out this morning this one morning well uh, for a couple mornings i mean the elk were just i'm not it was er, late at the end of august so it was pretty early for bugling when does the season open up it opens middle of august Okay. So we'd hunted a couple weekends, and we'd been hearing bugles, but this particular morning it was just they, they were really going pretty well. And so um, we just started moving in on some bugles we were hearing. And we got in pretty close, and they'd kind of gone quiet, so we just let out a soft cow call, and these two bulls fired right back up and started heading our direction. And one of the bulls passed by first, but he was just a little – he was a little too far out into the trees. I couldn't get a shot at him, but the second bull – he stayed on the trail that we were standing on. We were standing on an elk, you know, a game trail. And he was coming down that trail, and he just kept coming and kept coming. And I was starting to get to the point, like, I don't know if this is going to happen because he's going to keep coming or going to be face-to-face. -face. But when he got about 
25 yards, he turned off the trail and started side hilling and he bugled like right in our face right there, which gave me a chance to draw. And then, you know, he cleared a little bush and had a 22 yard shot. And so it was pretty cool. My, both my boys were right there behind me. They watched the whole thing go down and, um, that was my best, my best bowl I've ever shot. So it was pretty cool for it to happen like that, but so it doesn't what, always happen like that, but it, it happened just like that that morning, just like you want it to, you know? So what did he score? He's about a 330. 330. Yeah. That's a great bull. People, oh, yeah. people don't realize, you know, if you don't hunt elk a lot and, you know, we're here in Pennsylvania and of course we're based here. Um, so most people, honestly, in this part of the world, right, they, you know, we just don't have a chance. And, and you hear about 400-inch bulls, right, which is the mythical sort of like top tier. And you think that that's a giant bull. Well, let me tell you something. When you're out hunting elk, <laughs> I mean, especially for somebody who's never hunted elk, you see a, a raghorn 5x5, five five, the average guy from Pennsylvania here is going to be like, oh, my goodness, let me shoot that thing, oh, you know? Yeah. And so a 330-inch bull is is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I grew up in the West, and I'll tell you, any, any of my buddies or anyone in my family would shoot a 5x5 five five without thinking about it. I mean, it's just you just don't get opportunities to shoot big bulls all the time, you know? So when you're bow hunting elk, I've always said any elk with a bow is a good elk. Cow, spike, raghorn, it doesn't matter, man. It's just, it's, it's just quite, it's so much fun shooting elk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and guess that Jeremy was carrying a Hoyt bow on that hunt. <laughs> yeah, we, I was gonna ask that as well. <laughs> For sure, yeah, I was, uh, I was hunting with the uh, Carbon RX-7. So our carbon bow and um, love that bow. It's it's uh, so smooth, so quiet, and uh, I mean our bows. You know, of course we work to improve our bows every year. So every year we say this is our best bow, but it's because it's true. I mean we we improve them every year, and so you know it's hard not to say that. But the RX7, for whatever reason, man, it's been a fan favorite. I mean we we just have you know it's just a everyone has all good to say about it. So. Well, and it's, yeah, and it's been so popular. I mean, that bow, that was a bow that you launched for 22, so probably came out in, in late 21. Yep. And you guys are carrying that into 2023, right? Yep, yep, it's carrying over. And, uh, and, and it's the first time we've done that. Normally every year we come out with a new bow. And we did come out with a new aluminum bow, the VTM. Uh, but the carbon bow, we did, we carried that over this year. Um, and so, you know, it's people... Uh, I'm mostly happy about that. You know, a guy buy a bow last year, he doesn't want to feel like it was obsoleted this year. Our dealers are happy about it because they can carry inventory over um, and not have to try and juggle old inventory, get rid of that, and bring in new inventory. So, and then for our, from our standpoint at the factory, you know, it's just nice to be able to just keep rolling production and not have to shut down production of one model and bring out another model. So, um, yeah, so RX-7 back, back for 2023. Back by popular demand, That's Mr. Right. Demko. But like, like, like you said, you did come out with a new aluminum bow. Yeah. And I think that VTM, you guys are making that in two models, right? Like a 31 and a 33? Yep, a 31 and a 34. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yep. 34 seems hot in the marketplace now. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a little bit of a trend towards the longer bows, the 33s, 34 inches. We've seen that, you know, seen that product mix shift for us the last couple of years. Um, I think that the bows just... They just balance well. They are a little more stable, if, you know, with the longer axle to axle. And it's not like they're so long that they're a pain in the tree stand. I mean, they're still perfectly fine in the tree stand. So they're kind of in that sweet spot, a 33 to 34 inch bow. Um, especially if you're a 29, 30, 31 inch draw, 
that that bows right where you want to be. Yeah, now, you know, obviously we're here at the uh, Archery Classic, and so you know we're talking about hunting bows, but. Do you have some new things coming out in the competition line this year? Yeah, actually we have, uh, we just, so last fall we launched an all new product line for our target archery. Uh, the Stratos is our premier target bow. The Altus uh, is another target bow we have. And then on the recurve side, uh, we launched a new Formula XD model with a new set of limbs called Axial Limbs. And so, yeah, all new product on the target side. And so it'll be fun to see how all that does here this weekend. We've had a couple tournaments before uh, this tournament, and they've and our shooters have done really well with those and shot great scores. So, it's just fun to see the product that you build land on the podium. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, is Tate Morgan still shooting your bows? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, uh, it was funny because I he came to mind. We were talking about Jeremy's elk hunt. Uh, Tate always comes and shoots this tournament. I know. I, I actually don't think we're going to catch him today because I, I think he said he was getting in today. So I don't know if he'll be over here, but. He, him and his dad, yeah. you know about that. They killed a couple nice yeah. bulls. And I actually just bought a story from him about that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Tate and his dad, Rob, I mean, they're, 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 their shop's in Montana. They live in Montana, and, the, and bow hunting's first for them. I mean, as, as successful as they are at, at tournament archery, I think the tournament archery thing was just always a, something to get them by till the next hunting season. You know, they started shooting tournament archery to stay sharp on their archery skills for bow hunting. And so, uh, but, yeah, every year they, they both send us, you know, big pictures of bull elk they shoot up there in Montana and big bulls and always make me jealous. Well, it seems like more and more bow hunters, I guess, are embracing the idea of, you know, shooting the bow year round. I know PJ said, you know, they've got 2,700 archers registered here this weekend, and that's a new record for the Lancaster Archery Classic. And I guess some of the other shoots, Vegas has a new record. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm kind of curious as to what your sense is, even just for context, because again, you know, I mean, Mark and I certainly come at all this from a bow hunter's perspective. And uh, to, you know, you had mentioned before we started recording, that's obviously the majority of our audience is going to be that bow hunter. What's the mix for you guys in the marketplace? What do you think, you know, Hoyt is in terms of bow hunting versus a competitive type archery? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. And I, I mean, if I just had to throw a number out there, it's probably 80-20 or 90-10 bow hunting to target archery. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's look, if it wasn't for the white-tailed deer, none of this would be going on here today. You know what I mean? We would not We would be a much smaller business. Everybody would be a much smaller business. The white-tailed deer absolutely drives this industry. So um, bow hunting is number one for us. And most of, our, most of the target shooters in the U.S. are bow hunters also. And to your point, they just wanted to be able to shoot their bow year round. So they kind of got into target archery. And if I think about my journey in target archery, it's exactly how it happened. Like I, I missed a couple really big bucks one year bow hunting. This was, you know, years and years ago. And I just was like, I can never do that again. Like I have to try and, and, and be more prepared and be a better shot. And so I started getting into target archery and, and realized, you know, Hey, this is, it's, this is a whole new challenge and it's making me better for bow hunting. And so. I think that's kind of a lot of people's journey into target archery is they just enjoy shooting their bow and want to be a better bow hunter and get into target archery and then realize, hey, this is pretty fun all by itself. So, you know, For you, what's the number one thing that you took away from, you know, tourney shooting that you now use when you're out in the woods, you know, bow hunting? Um, I mean, I don't know if there's any one thing. I think it's more just, just repetition, just, just shooting arrows and just, you know, staying uh, solid in my form, solid in my shot. Um, you know, so much of accuracy 
is just consistency and doing the same thing over and over and if you don't shoot very much and then you get in a boning situation and your adrenaline's spiking and your heart's beating and you're not thinking straight it's way easy to make a mistake if you don't have all that muscle memory behind you of shooting a lot of arrows so so what do you have on tap for 2023 how are you going to follow up on that elk hunt <laughs> that's a good question yeah uh 2023 i mean it's too early to know what tags you know out west we've got to draw most of our tags right and so all the all that's coming up um but definitely looking forward to see what i draw and and i always head head uh, east to hunt whitetails somewhere love hunting whitetails so i'll um, i've hunted south dakota the last few years we have a couple buddies we get together a couple guys from michigan and a buddy from illinois and we all drive and meet in south dakota and rent a little farmhouse and we just go hang our own stands and that's one of my favorite hunts of the year just you know do south, it south dakota tail. is awesome and there's a lot of deer there um hopefully the area where you hunt didn't get hit by ehd too bad because some of those areas are down right now but yeah. historically that's a you know 50 to 100 deer a day kind of <laughs> see a place it's really fun now mark we'd be remiss before we wrap up this segment with jeremy if we didn't extend him that five-star offer we give to everyone because he said he, he always likes to come east to hunt whitetails. So I always call it, I call it the offer that shall never be taken, which is <laughs> my standing offer to come to Pennsylvania and hunt trophy does and, and, and 80 inch bucks anytime you want, Jeremy. I would love to. We can put you on, <laughs> bring, bring your Hoyt and come to the Keystone State. We'll put you on does. We got a couple farms that are in the DMAP program, which is basically a agricultural assistance program. We'll get you all the tags you need. You can fill the freezer. Dude, that sounds like so much fun. I'm not kidding. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, come, well, come on out. You'll be the first one. Because let's face it, time is at a premium in the fall, and you can only be away from the office and family so many weeks, and it's like, you know, a lot of people actually say what Jeremy said, because it, it would. I mean, it really would be fun, and we'd have a great time. But then when push comes to shove, and you weigh it out, and you're here, and you're like, eh, Illinois, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Boom, Illinois. Eh, Iowa, Pennsylvania. Boom, Iowa. Can't, you know what I mean? It's just you got to go down a lot of states before you, Pennsylvania's tipping the scales heavier than the alternative. <laughs> Maybe one year you don't draw a tag anywhere, and then this sounds really appealing. We'd yeah, love to yeah. have you. Man, I, it really does sound fun, like, because we don't have whitetails in Utah, right? And so, I mean, to be able to come sit in a tree stand and just kill a bunch of does, I mean, it's Shoot them all. such good. Uh, the, uh, speaking of practice, right, I mean, you got to practice killing, and uh, that's, that's something we don't, I mean, in Utah, I, mean, I might shoot a deer every few years, you know, where a lot of whitetail guys, they shoot multiple does a year and some states shoot multiple bucks a year they just get so much more practice at, at actually filling their tags and and making those shots count so yeah, dude I, that sounds amazing to me well you could make a couple farmers that i know pretty happy if you came out so the offer always stands jeremy <laughs> i'll tell you what i am glad that we ran into you down there like i said i didn't know you were going to be here and that's why it's worthwhile you know coming out to these big archery events you never know who you're going to bump into jeremy uh, congrats on the elk congrats on the new vtm uh and uh, people can get over to their local point dealer you can shoot the rx7 if you haven't and if you haven't shot the new vtm you can give those a shot that might just be their next buy. yep i hope so go shoot them all right thanks jeremy take yeah, care thank you guys thank you thanks for downloading the peterson's bow hunting podcast all bow hunting all the time Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on your local newsstand. 
or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.